give the Lord a big hand clap. Would you do that? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is so, so good. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And you may be seated. We have a certificate for Jolene Hansen. Where is Jolene? She is here tonight, I understand. Uh, all right, Jolene, we want you to come. Jolene was baptized on February 26th and received the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Praise God. I'm going to be doing something a little different tonight. We have a business meeting to follow. I'm not doing this uh, just to cut back on time. In fact, this might be the lengthy route to go. But nevertheless, I have uh, this past week been thinking about the coming of the Lord all week long. And then they sung this song, and I am prepared to have you to uh, preach my message for me tonight. Now, you probably don't understand how you're going to do that. But we're going to be handing the mic to various people. Now, this is totally unrehearsed. And nobody knows if they will be called on or not. The only thing is we want you to glorify God in whatever you say. We don't want you to be embarrassed. We just want you to take the mic right in your hand. And we want you to speak. Uh, Don't go very long. Because if you do, I'll have to ask you, you know, to cut back a little bit. Uh, So I I have the mic right here. And the very first person I want to give this mic to is to uh, Sister Grant. So she's going to come and take the mic. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah. Now you go be seated. And you're not supposed to say anything at this time. <clears throat> All right. What I want to do is take some of the what we would call some of the simple signs, you know, the signs that we've heard about all of our life of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about those. And I'm just going to direct you through this. And I feel uh, a great urgency uh, to uh, prepare my heart for his soon return. And I hope that you do. Uh I just want to start out by reading one scripture in Matthew 24. And Jesus gives a good number of signs. And he talks about the great tribulation period. And immediately after the tribulation period, what will happen? But in verse 33, Jesus said, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. And <clears throat> going through these signs, just this past week, I've had a little bit of time alone. I was at Brother Wayne Butcher's church in Des Moines, Iowa, and I've been conducting a Bible prayer conference there, and I just had a great time, but I had some time alone the daytime. They have a, such a lovely building, and in their building, they have an evangelistic quarters. 
And I stayed there. And uh, Brother Butcher just kind of let me uh, let me be on my own during the day. And truthfully, I, I really did appreciate this. I have had a sinus infection. I haven't been feeling too well. So I just took my study Bible and have a little Franklin uh, computer Bible as a commentary on it. I took that and I just began to look through at some of the signs of the coming of the Lord. You know, sometimes you take things for granted. And <clears throat> what I want to do is just just talk a little bit about, about some of these things because, you know, we're seeing <clears throat> the fulfillment of signs. Before I get into your part, let me just say this, that uh, some of you are wasting uh, such valuable time doing nothing because you're doing things only for yourself and it's just going to fade away, really. And uh, you're seeking fulfillment. I picked up the newspaper, <coughs> began to read, and of course here in Wisconsin, you know, there is uh, a move to build a new county stadium and a new uh, uh, field house or sports arena. And then there's a big question about the convention center. and But nevertheless, uh, they were saying that you can use the lottery. Uh, you know, we, we are, <clears throat> we're seeing so many. America is quickly turning into a gambling nation. That's what uh, the government's doing it. And the whole thing about it is it hits poor people more than hurts anybody. Uh, seriously. Uh, because any time that you can take basically from the poor of Wisconsin, and the poor people support the lottery. Now, you can say whatever you want to. Statistics prove that. There may be some people that have the money uh, to throw away, but most of the people who go down there and purchase lottery tickets are doing so because they are feeling that somehow Almighty God will just have mercy on them and bless them. But for the most part, it's just poor people who buy those tickets. And uh, <clears throat> it drives poor people into deeper poverty. It's a way of taxing them. Now, <clears throat> you may disagree with that, but if you look at statistics, see, we have crossed the 5 million mark here in Wisconsin as far as population is concerned. And, uh, of course, uh, to, to build a, a new sports arena, people are going entertainment crazy. This whole thing about baseball and the, the president's trying to solve this. Government shouldn't even get involved in this. I mean, that's, uh, <clears throat> this is where a lot of tax money is going. You may say, well, Brother Grant, do you, you mean to tell me? No, I, I will say this. I think that it is just ridiculously stupid that the American public would support Games to the point of some people receiving five and six million dollars a year just to play. Now you can say whatever you want to, but I said it. I will not apologize for it. I feel that uh, this just drives our nation deeper and deeper and deeper into poverty. And uh, now the government is considering the the deficit. And uh, you know they were talking about. Uh, cutting back on the deficit. It's not the deficit, it's the debt. We're not cutting back on the debt. The deficit, in other words, uh, you cut back on that from so many trillion dollars to $10 trillion less, you cut back on the deficit, but the debt. 
is left unpaid. And that just simply means that, you know, if I took and charged all my credit cards up to the maximum and everything I could possibly charge, and America is the only nation that I know in that you know of that you can borrow more money than you pay back. And if I kept on doing this, it only stands to reason that after a while, you know, the plug has to be pulled. And it looks like that here in the states, the only way that we will ever balance the budget or whatever, you may say, I, I don't want to get involved in a political discussion, but I just want to point out something, because, see, Christian stewardship is something that's talked about in the Bible. It's talked so very much. But, but we are in a habit of just wanting and getting, wanting and getting, wanting and getting. And the Bible says, one of the signs of the last days, men should be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And uh, it, it, is, it is just a crying shame uh, to me that, that young people will sacrifice all of their talents and abilities that are intended to be used for God and for the preaching of the gospel to become wealthy athletes. Some are doing that. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm addressing someone that, that, that has some tendency to, to, in this direction. Listen, if God has called you to be a saint, don't stoop so low as to become a millionaire. Because that is the greatest calling that you will have on the face of this earth. If I have nothing when I pass on to leave to anyone, but if I have left something in the heart of some person to strengthen his cause on this earth and to strengthen his life with God, I have not lived my life in vain. Praise God. But to gain eternity, is, is, is this is what you need. It really is what you need. I grew up uh, in a little town called Turnertown. And uh, it was real close to Turnertown. It was out in the country from it. But we had a church there. And a couple of boys played high school football. And then they went into college. And a couple of them went into the pros. At least they were trying for the pros. But they had such a good walk with God. You know what happened? They just totally dismissed it all. You know, you might say, Well, Grant, you don't think you can play pro football? I don't think you can do anything on Sunday, every Sunday, for nine months and have any walk with God. Now, you say, outside of living, coming to church. Now, you, you may disagree with that, but I, I don't believe that you can. I think it's impossible. I don't think you can just be jumping all over the United States of America and making big bucks for yourself and, and, and such. you got your priorities wrong if that's your goals in life. You see, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to college, and I wanted to play college football. And my mother prayed and prayed and prayed because she saw how this corrupted and ruined a couple of young people in our church. And she prayed. I broke my ankle playing football. I was put in the hospital. I had two screws put in it. Uh, I almost lost my foot. Uh, the doctors contemplated cutting it off. And uh, even this very moment, as I stand behind this pulpit, I've been wearing a brace on my foot. I had to pull it off today because I have a rash from underneath that brace, and I'm having a lot of pain. But I will say this. I'd rather be standing behind this pulpit and encouraging somebody to live for God 
than I would living in some big Lucy home someplace on some hilltop and not know God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. You know, we will be considering our new building, and we could have built our building some time ago, but we do have uh, some ministers we've committed to, more specifically our Christian school that has prohibited some things. But I'm not saying that to, to throw any stones. I'm saying this, that we are investing in people, and we will build a building when we need to build a building. But our greatest ministry is to people. It has to be that way. I just uh, I have access to this. Here's a letter that came from the Homeschool Legal Def- Defense Association. And this is to the members of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. To the surprise of everyone, listen to this, Hillary Clinton announced on Friday, February 10th, 1995, that the Clinton administration would sign the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child and send it to the Senate for ratification. The signature is scheduled for this week. The United Nations Convention is a treaty under the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution. Once a treaty is ratified, it becomes the highest form of law in the land co-equal with the U.S. Constitution. The fundamental problem with this treaty is that it grants jurisdiction to UN officials to supervise and decide some portion of American policy concerning children, parents, and families. It is our position that no portion of American family policy should ever be decided by the United Nations. Now, then, I won't read it all, but just some other things. The authors of the ABA book recognize that private and home schools which teach values contrary to specifications of this treaty pose a potential violation of the treaty. That's on page 180 of the book that they're talking about. They assert that Article 29.2, that all such institutions, that is private schools, must conform to certain standards, specifically those enumerated in Article 29.1, and such minimum standards as may be laid down by the state or federal government and endorsed by the United Nations. Now, also it does state in this that uh, the ABA uh, book specifically opposes the ACE curriculum that we teach in our school. That's right in this. And what they're saying is that, that we're just basically living in a day and an age in which so many things are just coming in that it is hard for us to avoid uh, getting ourselves in trouble. That's the day that we live in. Now, you know that uh, the the new Congress, that they are considering uh, cutting back on their role with the United Nations. I don't really know. The United Nations in the past has been a peacekeeping force in the world, if you can call it that. Um, and basically, uh, I think in, in recent years they have done better than they have in the past, but the whole problem is that they want to expand this role beyond a peacekeeping force to a 
force that, that has jurisdictions over people and policy and, and, of course, human values. It was just in 1990 that the United Nations declared that 1990 was the year of the child. And what they were doing, they were trying to protect the rights of children. And I do understand that there are many, many abused children in our world. And, and that is so sad. But on the other hand, human beings have always have it, had the tendency to overreact. That once something bad has happened, that then all good uh, relative to that subject is taken out of the hands of those who were created by God to oversee that particular part. And so now, if there is any suspect of child abuse, a parent becomes automatically automatically guilty before he is is even tried. We've, we've had situations, at least I've talked with individuals, don't know of any members of our church, but individuals who were associated with our church that have called me and said, guess what happened, you know. And now you, you just have to be careful uh, about even correcting the child sternly in, in a public place because it's, you know, and not only that, but animals are having more rights than, than people now. So we live in a very, very different world, don't we? Sure we do. <laughs> and Jesus is coming back. He's coming back real soon. Now what I want to do is just have all of you pick up your Bibles. We, You seem to like the sword drill that we give. And uh, <clears throat> uh, being I'm talking about the family, let's first talk about one of the signs of the last days is a decrease in love and family affection. Now, <clears throat> you have your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 10, 21. And the first one to find it, I want you to stand and read it, if you would. Matthew 10, 21. All right. Now, this remember, these are... Prophetic words that came from the lips of Jesus. Now we know that some of these have been fulfilled already. All right, Matthew 24, verse 12. The first one to find this. Well, I got three glasses of water tonight. Okay, somebody started reading. Okay, go ahead, sister. All right. Now notice what I said, the decrease in love and family affection. Mark thirteen twelve, the first one to find it. Would you stand? <clears throat> now basically what, I, what we are doing, we are, some of these scriptures are repeats. They're just in a different book. Matthew 24 is... When Jesus prophesied, it's also found in Matthew, Mark 13, and in Luke 21. So I, I wanted to, I think it's necessary that you understand this. Then 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat>
You, you no doubt heard or read this past Friday where the Clintons entertained leading members of the homosexual and lesbian communities in the White House to see what they could do to help these poor suffering people who are, whose rights are being violated. Uh, I mean, that was just news. I, I just happened to turn the radio and listen, and there it was. Now, <clears throat> the, the whole problem with this force is that it's seeking to destroy the family. Now, my wife has the mic, and my wife can stand, if she'd like right now, and talk about how important she thinks the family is. However, if she would choose somebody else to do this, she can take the mic to someone else. But I'd like for somebody to just stand up, if you would, and talk about this just for about three minutes or less. Sister Grant? I don't mind doing it, but I want somebody else to do it. All right. Sister Knopf, would you stand? I went to the university for five years. My first couple years there, I studied in the School of Psychology. And they just ripped the family apart. They just, they saw no need for it. All they talked about were divorce and remarriage and stuff like that. Then I changed my major and I went to the School of Family Studies. And in that school, they put a lot more emphasis on the family. And I was, I was raised in a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was 12. And it was really hard. I think the family is the key to a lot of things that are happening in the United States. A lot of oh, things that are happening yes. to our young people. If the family would just get their act together, if parents would just do what they need to do, I don't think our young people would be having the problems that they're having with drugs or premarital sex or anything else. That is great. Praise God. And thank you so much, Sister Fennell. <clears throat> now to just uh, uh, put the icing on the cake, we will read uh, two scriptures. One is the very last verse of the Old Testament. I want you to find it. This precedes 400 silent years. Sister Valerie Vaughn is standing, and she will read it. But let me say this. 400 silent years in which God did not speak to the human race through a prophetic voice. And he closed the book before the 400 years with this promise. Read it, Sister Valerie. All right. You see what God was saying. That speaking of John the Baptist, that John the Baptist will come to the scene. And his primary purpose is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if this does not happen, God says, it is necessary for me to smite the earth with a curse. In other words, if John can't do it, it's over. And preceding any revival, there will always be a flow and a move. A flow and a move to get families together. Now, I'd like for somebody to find that in the New Testament. It's in the first chapter of the book of Luke, by the way. <clears throat> so if someone would turn there and read that, the first one to find it, would you stand and read it? <clears throat> All right, Daniel has it. You have it, Daniel? 
Yes, Daniel has it. Tony, all right. For your mother's sake, would you stand and read this? We're talking about family values. For your mother's sake, would you stand and read this? Thank you so much. All right. <clears throat> Praise God. Now, did he read the right verse? I couldn't hear you, Tony. <clears throat> I don't have my Bible open to it. Did he read the right verse? Okay, St. Luke 1 and 1. I didn't tell you which verse. All right, look at verse 17. I'm just going by memory. Is it 17? All right, Tony Stan read verse 17. I'm sorry. He got his wires crossed, but he gets a double blessing here. Stand up, Tony, and read it. All right. All right. And what is he to do? He's to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Why? To make ready. To make ready. In other words, if you want a church to, to become ready for revival, you get fathers loving their sons and sons loving their fathers and everybody loving each other. And, and the church, the groundwork has been laid then. The groundwork has been laid for a real old-fashioned revival. Oh, thank the Lord. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Would you do that? Thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> now, I will not, we'll not be able to read all the scriptures I have on this, but there is one thing that we will find increasing in the last days. And that is that there will be an increase of false prophets and religious compromise within the church. I'd like for someone to turn Matthew 24 and read verse 4 and 5. Would you do that? All right, now we have people who are there already. I'd like for someone to read verse 10 and 11 of that. Someone else. Matthew 24, 10 and 11. And then verse 24, Sister Yolanda, if you will. I didn't recall it. You know, and Jesus constantly, every time he prophesied, he always put this statement in, see that you be not deceived. See that you be not deceived. See that you be not deceived. And, and the truth of the matter is, I have recently just, I picked up, I picked up a, a flyer that someone sent. And, and uh, there was a big convention being held. And, and uh, it, it, just, it just broke my heart when I saw the, the keynote speaker. Now, I had access to information and dealt with it myself. This man, uh, truthfully, was just, uh, well, he shouldn't be speaking at a big convention. That's just the way it is. 
You know, I, I had to deal with some things and talk with him and such. And he thought, well, I'll get out of this neck of the woods and go some other place. And, 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 and people want to run from their problems. But you can't. There's one way you take care of your problems. You put them under the cross. You put them under the blood. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. See that you be not deceived. Now, I have a lot of other scriptures. Luke 18, 8. Don't turn there. Just write it down. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through thir- one and 13, pardon me. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Peter 2, verse 1 through 3. And 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. Now that's a lot of scriptures. And you probably didn't have enough time to write them down, but you can buy the tape. <laughs> but the Bible's full of this. And I'd like for Sister Grant to take the mic and give it to somebody else unless she wants to speak on this. And I want someone to stand up and tell me how important you feel it is for us to stay with Bible doctrine and not compromise. Praise God. Sister Grant was, is making the choice right now. Rachel. <clears throat> Very good choice. Rachel, stand if you would. Um, I think it's very important to stay with the Bible. I've seen a lot of churches that have fallen away, and I'm just I'm glad that our church has never done that. And I just pray that I can always stay with that. I think that's great, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Listen to what the Lord said. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you. In sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Now, what Jesus is saying, what I get out of this, that, that right in front of the straight gate, there's always a false prophet that would say, you shouldn't go in there. You don't have to do this. And, you know, it's necessary, if you want to stay in the boundaries of the truth, it's necessary to put some fences up. It's necessary. You know, we have 16 acres. Let's say if we wanted sheep out here. If there wasn't a fence out there, guess what would happen to the sheep? There's a freeway out there. And motorists are usually traveling in a hurry. And we would lose a lot of sheep, and that's exactly what happens. Sometimes you think, well, you know, if the church wasn't so rigid on standards of living and such, my, we'd pick up a lot of people. That's not true, my friend. You let the fences down, a lot of people get splattered on the freeway. That's exactly what happened to a lot of them. They, but but you see, God has put some perimeters out there, and and, and but but unfortunately, in front of the straight gate, there's always a false prophet, and the false prophet will keep you out of the straight and narrow. He says, "Oh, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, you don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues like those Pentecostals say. Why you don't have to do all that stuff? You know, you can do whatever you want to do. You don't. These people are so narrow-minded and so restricted and so radical and such." You know, 
I know some people look at me as a nut sometimes. I put it one way the other day. Let me put it another way. When you go out and you look at this big oak tree standing down here, at one time that was just a little nut called an acorn. But it was a little nut that held its ground. And now it's a tall oak tree. And I want to hold my ground until I grow into a mighty oak for God. Hallelujah. I just hate to be standing in, in, in someone's shoes that, that, that would tell people that they don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. They don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd hate to be standing in someone's shoes come judgment day that tell people it doesn't make any difference how much you pray or whether you go to church or not or how you live. God did not just fill this book, 66 books full of scriptures just to fill space because he didn't have anything else better to say. The Bible is the manual of life. It's given to us for our benefit. Not for God's benefit, for our benefit. And I'm so appreciative of our, of our young people, I'll tell you. We've got some mighty fine young people in this church. And if they will continue to walk with God, God's going to use these young people in His kingdom. You watch what I tell you. We have some young people in our Christian school. Uh, all of our young people are not in our Christian school. And I make reference to the Christian school, and I hope that nobody feels that if you're not in the Christian school that you're not important because that's not true. You are. You are. You're very important. But we've got some young people that are going to stand tall in God's kingdom if they'll keep praying and keep seeking the Lord, keep their head screwed on correctly, and not get caught up with all the things that the world is caught up with. Juking and jiving over nothing and frying your brains with drugs and, and all this kind of stuff. And you know the truth of the matter is you're never happy. That's the whole problem. You're always discontent. You know, I've talked to people to hold feelings and everything. I said, when you're holding a grudge against someone, let me ask you this. Who suffers? You suffer. Now, are you so dumb that you'll punish yourself over something that somebody else has done? Now, you've got to be smarter than that. <clears throat> the highest form of love in the Bible is agape love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. It was that love that sent Jesus to the cross. But the best fruit, the premier fruit, you know, if you go to a tree, you'll find a lot of different sizes of fruits. You ever go into an apple tree? you find some small ones, some larger ones. Usually pick around a little bit. I'll try. To, there's a big one way up there. And when you find the brightest and the biggest and the most delicious apple on the tree, and you pull it down, off of the tree of agape love, that apple is known as forgiveness. It is the best fruit that love can produce. Forgiveness. I draw that because it was that ultimate fruit produced in the life of Jesus that caused him to go to the cross and forgive us. 
And for us to run around with feelings in our heart against people. I'm getting off the subject for sure. I should have spoken this one on the first scripture readings. But <clears throat> the first set of read- scriptures. But, but let me tell you something. Don't, don't cheapen your life by holding a grudge. It's just dumb. You're hurting nobody but yourself. And if you went to the tree called bitterness, the opposite of love, and you look for the most corrupt fruit on that tree, you looked around for one that was sour, rotten, pierced with thorns, bug-bitten, and you pulled it off, it'd have one name on it. And you know what name would be on that? Unforgiveness. If you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Well, I've got quite a few things that I'm trying, I want to go through, but I think we're going to abbreviate it some. The Bible does tell us that those who stand firm will be saved. So the first one that finds Matthew 24, 13, I'd like for you to read that. I think we've read it already, but... All right, we have not read that scripture. All right. So the scripture is simply telling us that, hey, in the midst of all these things, God's going to give us that extra measure of power, and, and we will endure. Yeah. You know, there is no devil in hell big enough to destroy you. If God is with you. I had the opportunity this past week to talk to someone that was very troubled. And I said, do you believe that the omnipotent God goes with you every place you go? That he resides in your heart and he goes with you? Yes. Then why would you ever fear when the all-powerful God is your partner? You think about that for a minute. Why would you worry? Why would you fear? Why would you get depressed? So, we're entering into the seventh millennium of the human race. I don't know what is going to happen. It looks like here in the United States, we, we, you know, we thought we were sailing along and solving a lot of problems. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. It looks like, politically speaking, we're going to have some of the greatest fights in our country that we've ever had. Most of it hinges around handling money. But on the other hand, what's going to happen to us? I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just go ahead and live our life and preach our message and hit the prayer rooms and pray and sing our songs and, and testify and witness to people. Let's make up our mind that we will go all the way to the end. All the way to the end. Mark 13, 13. And stand and read this. All right, Joey Thornton is reading this. I want him to read it louder.
Isn't that great? All right. Praise God. I want someone to stand and just tell me how important you feel it is to just stand up for your personal convictions. Just stand firm. Stand up when Sister Grant gives you the mic, would you? All right, John. It's a great honor to have you to stand. All right. All right, very good. Well, if you, uh, if you don't stand for your personal convictions, uh, people who live around you and watch your daily life will lose They'll lose respect for you because they see that you do not, you do not stand for what you speak, and and they, when you do try to tell them the way that it should be and the way that they should live their lives, they won't listen to you. Exactly, exactly. You are respected when you stand up for your personal convictions. You are respected for that. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Would you do that? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Another sign, the gospel will be preached into the whole world. We're getting into some positive things now. Mark twenty four fourteen. Someone stand and read this, if you would. Mark 24, pardon me. Matthew 24, 14. All right, very good. Now Matthew, pardon me, Mark 13.10. Will you, okay, Sister Cindy. All right, how important do you think it is that we support our missionaries and, and uh, that we send missionaries out, that we preach not only on foreign soil, but also in our extension church, on Simpson Street and various places. Sister Grant's going to choose someone to talk about this. Sister Cecilia. It would please me much if you would do this, because she's involved in our extension work, and, and this is just, it, it just so, be so good. Stand up. What was the question? Look, how important do you think it is that we preach the gospel to every person? Because there's a lot of hurting people that don't know where to go, what to do, and they're confused, and we got the truth, so why hold it? and share it with them and let them know that there is a way out from all their pain and sorrow and whatever they're going through in there. Because I've been through it, and this helped me, and I know it can help them too. Praise God. And your own sister yeah, was sister. filled with the Holy Ghost this past weekend, and, and she's back here, <laughs> Thank you. and I'd like for her to stand. Isn't this great? Now this is the result of publishing the gospel in the streets. And let's lift our hands toward the heavens and let's worship the Lord, O oh God of heaven. We love you, Jesus, we do. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord.
<laughs> and then we're going to wrap this up by talking about the Holy Spirit that will be poured out upon God's people in these last days. Now, I have some scriptures here, but I'd like for someone to just find a scripture and stand and read it. You can read Joel 2.28 or here's, okay, Brother Eckenrod. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And he's reading from Joel, the second chapter. He's reading from Acts 2.17. All right. Uh, but the same thing is repeated in the book of Acts. So, all right. Praise God. Somebody else stand and read a scripture. Brother Jim Derber has his Bible open, and I can see he has a... Oh, he's already closed his Bible. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you have the Holy Ghost? And that Jesus is still pouring out the Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Sister Grant, I wanted you to take the mic, if you would, to Rich Thomas. And I want Rich to stand and tell us how important he feels it is for us to have a Holy Ghost service every time we get together. Praise God. Rich Thomas, where are you? Raise your hand. She's located you already. Praise God. Do you think we should have Holy Ghost services? Hallelujah. Believe God's still pouring out the Holy Ghost? Praise God. Talk to us, Rich. Praise God. I believe that every time we open the doors of this church, that we should always keep in mind that some soul may be in here for the very first time. From the rock that we were hewn from, remember that we owe it to these people. To let them know of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord again. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'd like you to stand with me, if you would. Romans 5. I'm going to read something to you that I feel is so very encouraging. Romans 5. I taught one lesson on, on grace in Des Moines, and as I was teaching this lesson, this scripture came to my mind. The Bible says, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The word grace in the, in the Greek, it, it simply means unmerited favor or the divine leading of the heart. We know that God has the ability to come down and talk to a person inwardly. And only God can do this. And, and do it continually. Now the devil can speak to you, but you have to keep in mind that the devil is not omnipresent. Uh, if he sticks with you all the time, he leaves a lot of other things undone. In other words, he will come to you, and then he will come back, and he will come back. But God can abide with you forever. And we live in a city that's so full of sin. There's a lot of liberal thinking here that's caused a lot of special interest groups to, to travel all over the world to get here to reside. It's known as a city of tolerance. And, but yet at the same time, people are becoming corrupt and, 
it has certainly uh, altered the lifestyle of so many, many people. Why? Because there's so many voices. You pick up the paper and you read about the environment. You read about this. You read about social issues. You read about uh, gay and lesbian rights and such. And just so many, many different things. Yet in the midst of all this, I am convinced, uh, just after really looking at the Scripture, that some of the greatest revivals of all time occurred where there was much sin. And it seems to be that this is the way it is. That regardless of how great the sin is, when the devil speaks loudly to people, that God always compensates with a louder voice. He's always there. And when the devil's saying, don't do this, there's, a, there's that beckoning voice of God that won't let go, that says, yes, 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 do it, do it, do it, do it. And I believe with all my heart, that uh, you have witnessed as, as, a, as a body tonight to somebody here tonight and given somebody hope that they can be saved. Oh, yes, they've heard that negative voice. They've heard all that stuff. But at the same time, friend, Jesus Christ is talking to you. He's dealing with your heart. And Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you'll just let him come in, that's all you need to do. So as our praise singers sing, we're going to give you an invitation to come and seek the Lord. If you'll just step right out in the middle aisle and come on down and give your heart to God. We have people to be happy to pray with you. We have a business meeting scheduled, but we'd rather pray people through the Holy Ghost than we would talk about a new building. Praise God. So you step right out right now and come, would you? Let's give our heart to God. Oh yes, he's all I need. Oh, Jesus is all I need. He's all.